Welcome back to a special episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you don't know by now, my name is Christopher Brown, and I'll be your host. From time to time, the Cross Border Interview Podcast has a topic that can't properly be addressed in just one episode. So we expand that topic to a week-long series. This week's series is going to be looking at a subject that everyone has dealt with at least once in their life, schools. All this week, we are going to be talking with elected leaders who make decisions within our school systems. I started this podcast to achieve one goal, to get people talking again. With no notes, no questions, I sit down with today's subject to learn a about them from them. Today's guest is Diane McCauley, a school board trustee with the Red Deer Public School Board District. So here is episode one of the Cross-Border Interview School Board Week featuring Diane McCauley. Okay. Diane, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, this is our first episode of the School Board Trustee Week, so thank you for sitting down on such short notice, too. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Christopher. Thank you. Hey, um, so I usually start every interview with the same question, and I want to uh, put it off to you. Where does your sense of duty come from? Where did your sense of duty to become a school board trustee for the Red Deer Public School Board come from? Oh, thank you for putting public in there. <laughs> you know, we've been fighting with that little issue that was mandated earlier and their 2019 school system. Ah, okay. Um, I would love to say that it came from my upbringing. I grew up in Bentley, a very conservative rural family, and there was no talk about politics. You voted conservative, you always voted conservative because that's how the West survived. So a lot of my involvement with politics um, came from a sense of rebellion, to be honest. Um, I, I didn't feel that a lot of the information that I was getting from where I was living and who I was living with was, was really accurate. So once I moved to Red Deer and got married and had kids and started to get a little more involved that way, I, I heard there was different opinions out there. What? I, I know. <laughs> and different points of view. And some of them I went, wow, I can really grab onto this. Most of them were social issues. I'm kind of a social justice warrior. And of course, took some of those online things where it says, okay, where do you fall on the spectrum? What do you believe in? What do you think of this government, that government? And found out that a lot of my thoughts and beliefs weren't really my thoughts and beliefs. They were about who I lived with and what they believed at the time. And as I got more involved with the school and the diversity of our community, I felt, wow, I just really needed to be in a position where I could uh, help those with the same beliefs that I had. So when did your first interest start in becoming a school board trustee? Uh, you said you moved to Red Deer. Do you remember when you moved? I'd be about 1990 because I was married in 91. So 1990, you moved to Red Deer. Yeah. When, when did you first get elected as a school board trustee? Uh, 2005, 2004, I think. I've been a trustee for 15 years. So yeah, do the math. 2005. Okay. And then from our previous conversation that we had before the interview started, uh, you had ran twice before that. Yeah. What was the issue for you? that defined the reason why you wanted to get into politics and to be part of the Red Deer Public School Board? I, I don't think it was really different than a lot of other parents that get involved with the school board. I, I felt there was no voice. I felt that at the time that the school board wasn't listening to parents. 
Um, I was trying to do my research on, you know, where do I want to put my kid? And found out very quickly that there was a big difference between our two systems here in Red Deer. We have the public system and we have the separate system. And from talking to neighbors, it was, well, what school's closest? I went, really? What if I'm not Catholic? Doesn't matter, you just put them where they're closest. I thought, okay, there's a little bit of misinformation on why we have two school systems and what's best for your kids. And when I'd go to the school board or our uh, school council meetings, I, I just felt there really wasn't a great representation on the board that really gave the parents a voice. What was it like the first time you were elected? Okay. And what what were you able to, uh, what did you find about the school system that you didn't know when you first were elected? Um, so much. So much. As just a parent or a community member, we know very little about what the school board does, what trustees do, what our education system is like. It became very apparent that you cannot run as an island because you're one voice. So even if you run on a platform of, I'm going to change this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you need at least three other people or a majority, however big your board is, to start that ball rolling. Then you need to get your senior administration on board. And then you need to work with the government and the community. And things don't happen overnight. And then bounce into that, an election that happens every three or four years with you know our provincial government. You deal with a new government or not, but you always deal with a new budget, a new form of outlooks. It was really, really hard to have a bunch of ideas and realize that they could not be done in a timely manner. So how did you overcome that? How did you overcome the fact that, you know what, politics does not move as fast as people think it does? I don't think it's so much as overcome as... uh, Did you play the system? Sometimes you have to, right? Sometimes you have to. And it's a very hard conversation to have with the community because they have some magnificent questions and ideas and you want to support them on that. And when you say, yep, we're going to look into that. And the next year they're asking you, I've seen you do nothing. And you know that you've done stuff. It's, it's not a great system to work with. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this week is because um, they often say the closer you get to the um, uh, the politics of the area, the, the more uh, feedback you hear. So if it's federal, you don't hear that much because it's not a day-to-day issue that people deal with. It's not defense. It's not health spending like the province. So if you get closer to the province, you might know your MLA. You might not know your MP as much. When you get to your municipal school, uh, municipal politics, you know who your local councillor are. When you get to the public school system, you are looking after kids. Parents are vocal about their kids' education. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure that what you are hearing and what you are seeing is being reflected at the around the table at your school board trustees' meetings? So how are you actually hearing from what people are doing? As you've just said, you might have had that conversation with somebody, but a year from now, they don't know what you've done. So how do you ensure that what you've done is communicated to the people that you are doing this, but they might not see it because bureaucracy does take forever, Mm -hmm. no matter what level of government you are. But you as a trustee, as the representative of the people, are are voicing their concerns. So how are you communicating that to the parents and to the general public that what you're doing is actually what people want? One of the things that I think is very important about being a trustee is you have to be involved in your community. Not every one of our current trustees have 
kids in the school. Some have grandkids. Some don't have any relationship with the kids. And that's where you need to get in the schools. You need to go to their assemblies. You need to go to their school council meetings. And then you need to go to other things that happen in our community. You need to go to hockey games. You need to be part of nonprofit organizations. You need to volunteer. You need to have those. I'm in the lineup at Sobeys. Somebody recognized me and they asked me a question. I need to be able to have that time and that knowledge to be able to talk to them about it. Does that, does that not become daunting though? Sometimes. I still walk into schools. I've been a trustee for 15 years and they ask who I am. Seriously? Absolutely. Like the principals and the secretaries, yeah. administrative assistants, sorry? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, that's a good and a bad thing. It's right. Okay, so I haven't done anything bad enough where you remember <laughs> that who I am. Or that you're just really happy with how things are going. And that's why you don't need to be involved in the local politics. And I've heard this since the day I was elected that school boards are going to be disbanded. Because we are the only elected body that can be terminated with a stroke of a pen from our education minister. A little, little scary that they have that amount of power. And we've seen what happened with the um, health board, how they amalgamated it and how much it cost and how people didn't have that. You know what? I'm just going to go to this local person and talk to them about our local needs and they're going to represent me up in Edmonton. That's what we try to do here in Red Deer. You know, we're pretty fortunate. We have a great area. We don't have hundreds of miles that we have to run through with the, the rural schools. That is really massive, the amount that they have to cover. And the metros. They have probably 23 to 30 schools each that the trustees are responsible for. In Red Deer, we have three or four each. Really? Which is great. We change our liaison schools every year. So then we get a good feel and a connection with each of those schools. And if we are voted in a mass so we don't have wards. Which so you're is voted great. at large? Yeah. Do you think that benefits your voice at the table? Because if you're voting, if you're voting in a district, if you're voting for just a ward, mm -hmm. your voice is for those people. Yeah. If you're voting for a general at-large trustee, you're representing everyone now. Yeah. Every single one. Seven seven councillors are representing seven the whole area of Red Deer. Yeah. Do you think that's beneficial? I think it's really worked well here in Red Deer. I think we are too small still to have wards, and there are some parts of Red Deer that maybe only have one school. So should one school just be represented by one? person and we only have three high schools at the moment as well that's a large population of kids that need to be represented and when we have to make those difficult decisions about changing boundaries closing schools relocating funds we all work as a team how do you balance your work to daily life because as you said you can be in Sobeys, you can be in Walmart, you can be at any store and people will want to come talk to you about an issue. Mm -hmm. Are you approachable in that way where you will allow people to come talk to you even if you're out with your child, even if you're out with your partner? I hope I am. There's definitely some topics that, you know, if they're very angry in nature, I try to make, uh, you know what, let's talk about this privately. Can we get together over coffee or something like that? The citizens of Red Deer have been really good. I really haven't been approached on something face to face that has been confrontational. Now, over social media, absolutely, there has been some very, very angry people out there with anything that has to do with their kids, right? That's why, you know, parents are vital. They need to stick up for their kids. Who else is going to? You, you, you just recently talked about uh, the idea that a provincial government could, with a stroke of a pen, disband school boards. Mm -hmm. In 2020, are school boards still needed? Yeah. And why? 
because we are the voice of the local local autonomy right so let's say they had a provincial board and there was five people elected to it do you think the individuals that live in Red Deer are going to get the same consideration as those that live in Leftbridge or Bentley or Grand Prairie? Everybody has such different needs. And let's say there are representatives. Would they represent the public schools? Would they represent the separate schools the same? How do you how do you mix them up? So the question then becomes, how are you representing the people of Red Deer appropriately to ensure that their voice is being heard? Because as I said in the, uh, before the interview started, the uh, one thing that I found interesting on your biography on the Red Deer Public School Board's website was you want to give a voice to the people who have no voice. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? I think it's with my connections in the community. You know, I belong to some very interesting groups and nonprofits that they're people that are afraid to say something or they're afraid that nobody is going to listen to them. They're a very small number group like the LGBTQ group, the the homeless, the individuals that um, use the overdose protection site or the NDP drug houses, as somebody likes to call them. And you know what? I, I think everybody needs a voice. We all can't represent the popular and the rich. Have you ever had to make a decision that was not popular? Because that's the one thing that most parents will always look at. Because I've talked to school board trustees, not on the record, but in passing, and they say the worst decision that a school board trustee could ever make was closing a school. Mm -hmm. Because that affects the student right at the base. So they will hear from the moment it is even leaked to the public that there's a potential school closure, that they will hear from every single parent of that school to say, do not do it. Yeah. Have you ever had to make a decision like that? I think every time we decide what our budget, it's an unpopular decision because there's some misconceptions on what our budget is. There are some stories out there that our central office staff is too heavy. There's some stories out there that we don't properly fund this or we don't properly fund that. And again, it's that communication. So this is why we make our decisions. This is how we run our district. We have had to close schools. We had to change changing boundaries. You know, people get used to their school and it's a community, right? They do not in grade three want to change their kids' school to go to another school. It's very tough on kids and those are tough decisions. Why, why do it then? Um, because let's be honest, it'd be, uh, everyone would be happy if we all just kept everything the same. Yeah. So why, why make those tough decisions? Why, why change the boundaries? As you've just said, why close a school? I know you have a budget that you have to look after mm-hmm. and that comes down to the bottom dollar, Yeah. but everyone has a budget. We yeah. all have to make decisions and to be honest, everyone would be happy if we were just able to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. So why not just try and keep the status quo and find a way to keep the school boards open, not re jig the boundaries. So that would work if our population never aged, never moved, and the same number of kids went to the same schools every year after year, right? Um, my understanding is that kids get older. What? I know. <laughs> and, and people move and people come into communities and some communities where we have some schools, it's an aging population now. And since we allow kids in Red Deer to go to schools that they want to, we only fund them for the schools that are within their community. But if you want to go to a school on the north end and you live in the south end and you want to take them there and there's room, we allow that with our our public school kids. Things change. And as things change, we need to change as a school. Um, Curriculum needs to change. Budgeting needs to change. Um, I, I 
think change is a way of life, but nobody likes it unless they can do it themselves, right? True. Um, it seems like you're for school choice. Wherever you want to send your child, we'll make it a, the Red Deer's Public School Board, as in your opinion, I'm assuming, would be okay with allowing you to choose what school you want your child to go to. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, but we also make it very clear if that school that you want to go to isn't within your boundaries and they are full, you need to go to another school or the one that's within your boundaries. They do not have to make, um, they do not have to allow your kid to go there if they're full. Okay. Let's talk about the children of Red Deer Public School who are actually attending the schools today. What's the diversity like? Is there a diverse uh, population of students from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different orientations that are going to Red Deer? Or is it, uh, quote unquote, as most people would assume Alberta is, is the white population? I think we have a very diverse population. Not only with their cultures, but their genders and with their learning abilities as well. How are you? Because we always talk about the parents. The parents are the ones who are the proper or the uh, first teachers in your life. Mm -hmm. How does the school board ensure that these students are properly looked after? So as, as a parent, I don't think you're ever completely satisfied, right? There are some parents that would really love a one-on-one -on -one EA with their kid from kindergarten to grade 12. And if we could do that with every student, we absolutely would. Again, it has to do with funding. It has to do with coding. It has to do with available resources. We have some individuals in the, in the counseling world and speech therapy and other special needs areas where there's just not even those individuals that we can attract come help in our schools. I have no idea how the rural schools are co coping with it. And we live in, in a city. 2020, things are changing. We find ourselves in a, a fluid community, uh, society. Uh, people can identify as gay, straight, uh, non-binary. Is the Red Deer Public School Board being open and accepting to those who are identifying because you see in news reports across the country, across the world, that we shouldn't allow kids to do what they want. The parent should be that choice. So how do you, as a school board trustee, balance that, the respect of the child with the respect of the, t of the parent? That's a great question because it's actually a personal issue for myself because my middle child is gender neutral. And so I have the, the luxury of seeing it from both sides. So before my child even came out publicly, um, I was involved with LGBTQ. And I seen and heard the stories firsthand of kids in our schools that were not supported at home. I, I think the child's safety is um, first in my mind. If they feel safe enough to go to their teacher, their best friend, their principal, their parent, they will. And if they don't feel safe going to any of those individuals in their life, it's not up, for, up to me or anybody else to out them. They have to feel safe. They have to feel supported. And there's still a lot of misunderstanding on individuals that are part of the LGBTQ community and, you know, exactly what it means to identify certain ways. 
are you fostering, is the Red Deer Public School Board and your trust, fellows trustees fostering a safe space for students today? That they're able to have a space that they can talk about that. Because yet again, it, it, the only reason I bring this up is because it's prominent in the news right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are finding that if you ha- if you go to school, you teachers should be looking after any school-run organization, whether it be a chess club, a volleyball team, a LGBT safe space, or a gay-straight alliance. Is the Red Deer School Board keeping up with the times and allowing students to be able to meet in a safe space in the school system? I think we can always do better. So as a population, our student population is over 10,000. If I hear from one student that they feel unsafe, I feel we need to do more. Um, I can only talk about my own beliefs. And I was part of the um, school board when we did our sexual orientation and gender identity policy. And it was a really hard policy to go through with the community. We had a lot of confrontations, a lot of misunderstanding on what it was. And there were some differences of opinions on the board as well. Uh, I, I can... I can somewhat see those that say, you know, just an overarching, you know, let's not bully, let's be nice to everybody policy. But this certain group of kids, you know, our highest rate of suicides and mental illnesses. So if a child joins the basketball team or the chess team or doesn't join the basketball team or the chess team, I haven't heard of a family kicking them out, ostracizing them. But if they belong to a GSA, whether they're an ally or somebody who identifies that way, that is where I see the horror stories. What's the biggest issue facing students in the Red Deer Public School Board right now? Wow. That's interesting because I will say something. Okay. And if you talk to a student, I wouldn't be surprised if it's different. So we have a student advisory group that we meet with um, every other month with the school board. But it's not a selected group of kids, but it's a small number of group. It's like 12 kids out of over 10,000 kids. From different schools? Yeah, all high schools. So grade 10, 11, 12. And they talk to us about, you know, their needs and their wants. And it seems that they really want more teacher time. They want to be able to have that access if they are having trouble with their school, whether it's um, their actual curriculum or if it's something with their emotional well-being. They want to be able to access their teachers. And our classrooms are big, our classrooms are diverse, and our teachers are putting in a lot of time and effort. And they don't have time for everybody as much as everybody wants them. So how are you as a school board trustee and your fellow trustees ensuring that, you know what, like you said, we have uh, we have budget concerns. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? How do you say, you know what, we have to balance what the students want with the reality of our budget? Yeah. Um, So we're running a deficit this year. First time in a while? uh, First time in a while because we've been really good at our budgeting and central office staff has been doing some really deep cuts at their end. We have such a great, great district. We get together, all the schools, and we pool our money together because there's some schools that live in certain communities where they can fundraise $10,000 in a weekend, and there's others that can fundraise $100 in a weekend, right? So we try to pool some of that money together, try to share resources. We want to put teachers in front of kids. 
We really do. Over 90% of our budget goes towards teachers. We don't have that availability to negotiate with our teachers anymore, right? The, the government does that. So the government sets what they get and what they do not get as a salary. But we do have a budget and it is a per pupil grant and we need to allocate that money. Sometimes um, our social workers, our counselors and our EAs are the ones that get the short end of the stick though, because we don't want to take teachers away, but we have to save money somewhere. Where? Where do you save that money? Because you can look, because everyone will have their different opinion mm-hmm. on what should be cut and what should be saved, right? If you go talk to every single parent in this uh, community, they will tell you individual reasons why they think what they should cut, what you should save. Yeah. When you pass a budget, you have to go sell that budget. Yeah. You have to go sell that budget to the community. So A, you get reelected. B, you're not getting angry phone calls which yeah. I'm assuming sometimes you will. Yeah. How do you ensure that what you're doing is the right thing? <laughs> I wish that was an easy answer, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things we do within our district is a lot of the budgeting comes from school-based decision-making. So we'll allocate a certain amount of money to each of the high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, and they put the money to the resources that their school needs. I don't think we've ever had a budget where we've been, oh my gosh, we're going to give some back because we have way too much money. There are always more needs within our community. How do you know what? It's through our public consultation. We ask. Do you actually consult with parents and have open houses? We do. We do. Sometimes it's only by um, online surveys. They're always welcome to come to our school board meetings. Uh, We try to get to as many um, school council meetings as well to talk to the parents. What's your engagement like? It's it's minimal. You know, we hear from the parents that are very involved in their schools. We don't hear from the parents that, you know, they're really struggling with something. They don't understand something. We read their comments on Twitter or Facebook, but they will not come and contact us directly. We did a very big um, information session a couple of years ago on what do you want your kids to be like in school? You know what? They didn't talk about class size. They didn't talk about curriculum. They didn't talk about um, learning at all. They want their kids to be happy. And that's why we started the initiative with our Evaluating Mental Health. We put a lot of our resources and time into making sure that not only our teachers, but our parents and our students had the capacity to be healthy in their minds and healthy in their bodies. Not learning their math, not learning how to spell. That's what was important to them. Really? Yeah. So what do you chalk that up to, though? Do you think it's just parents looking out for, for the best for themselves? or for their kids I would assume so yeah we, we also see a you know a big diversity in this province this started also from a conversation where we had a few suicides in one of our high schools so what were we doing wrong where were we not giving these kids the support and if the kids aren't happy and they don't have that resiliency and they don't have their supports it's like not having food for them when they come into school or not having the proper clothes. Learning is great, but there's a lot of things that need to be done so learning is successful. We live in uh, 2020 where we are moving, you're seeing other provinces moving this way. Um, you're moving to a more online learning system. Mm-hmm. Is, some, is that something Red Deer is looking at? Because uh, kids will learn 
I find, and this is just me being me, uh, I find more kids are using their cell phones, using their iPads, and they're learning quicker that way. Mm-hmm. They might be more engaged that way compared to the original classroom where you just go into a classroom, you sit down, you learn that way. How is the Red Deer School Board and how are you ensuring that our kids aren't left behind when it comes to advanced technology that is out there? So I think technology is wonderful. I think it's but. really hard to keep up, right? Yeah. And to give them the proper um, tools on how to use the internet properly. Who are teaching a majority of our kids how to use the internet? Um, their parents. And who taught their parents? You know, I grew up, as soon as Facebook came up, you put everything on Facebook. Yep. There was no privacy or anything. How was after me learning how to do that? giving me the tools to tell my kids, oh my gosh, you need to be careful. You need to be careful of online predators. You need to be careful of people stealing your identity. And I don't think you can properly keep up. But if we start to implement some of the, you know, wonderful teachings and technology out there, what are we going to cut? Right? We only have so many hours in a day. There hasn't been an election yet where I haven't had at least one individual from the community get upset that we no longer do handwriting in the schools because don't. that's how they grew up not a lot they do a little bit in elementary schools they start to do printing but they don't take it's the cursive time anymore yeah i remember taking cursive and then i think it was grade four or five this is back in ontario i think it was grade four or five when they allowed me to use a pen for the first time Ooh. you couldn't use a you'd only be able to use a pencil and you could only use a pen if you passed the penmanship course <laughs> and it was a test and they would mark you and they had like the teacher would give you a certificate mm-hmm. times have changed yeah right so now we are more online now we are more computer-based yeah so do you see us moving to a point where that would be the new norm of not doing cursive not doing law long form probably Right. You know, I I can't forecast the future, but I see that's how we're going. There are some of our schools that have had to ban um, cell phones during school time. And I understand why they have to do that. Right. Do you agree with it? Oh, because that's the top that that's where I was heading in this direction, because if you if your kid has a phone, Mm -hmm. like I was driving up here from Calgary today and a my phone was dead, so I couldn't listen to anything. So I was observing the road. Oh, no. Exactly. I was like, holy crap, I'm observing the road. And the amount of people who were, were, were talking on their cell phones, holding it, were playing on their cell phones while they were driving. Ooh, it's distractive good. driving. So yeah. it's distractive learning as well. Mm-hmm. So do you agree that we should be banning phones from in the classrooms? I understand why they did it, because they weren't using them for learning. Yeah. You know, the kids were texting. They were getting phone calls. A lot of them were from their parents. <laughs> Right? Um, We raise our kids differently than we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. Heck, five years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Like when you used to be able to drop your kid off and if there was a problem, you'd go to the office and use their phone and that was okay. Now we need to have 24-7 contact with our kids because, oh my gosh, it's a bad world out there, right? Everyone's going to take somebody. Yeah. Uh, You know what? Like again, technology is great, but I don't think we were using it appropriately. So we have the cell phones in the classrooms and we're not using it appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, is there ways that the school board can ensure that the 
parents get the idea that we don't need to contact our kid 24-7 because we you are safe. Hypothetically, when a kid goes to school, that should be the safest place besides their home that they are in. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, we have bullying and all that, but we have helicopter parents now who are looking after their child 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah. How do you branch that how do you separate that for parents how do you say you know what we need to allow our kids to learn in a school setting as a trustee we always provide information sessions right and there's always stuff on the newsletter you know hopefully tips and such but again parents are number one in a kid's life so whichever way they want to um raise their kid whether they give them a cell phone when they're five um, I get to go in schools and talk to high school kids with another job that I have through the Central Alberta Sexual Assault Support Center. And I'm always delighted when I ask 15-year-olds, how many of you have a cell phone or you have a social media presence? And there's always one or two that say no. Does your child? No. Doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't have a social media. No, nope, no. My seven-year-old doesn't. My ones that are over 20 do. Yeah, which I understandable. <laughs> they're 18. They're allowed to do. Yeah. Um, is it by choice or is it by mom and dad's direction? Um, the only social media presence that um, my stepdaughter has is because their grandma <laughs> gave them a tablet and okay. wanted to be, be able to talk to them on Facebook. And it was a discussion. You know, we were not ready for that. We don't think that's appropriate. If you want to talk to, you know, your granddaughter on Facebook, use one of ours. Is there resources for kids in your school uh, school district to identify online bullying? Because that's that's the it's yeah. rising right now through Twitter, through Facebook, through WhatsApp, or whatever you whatever new technology TikToker, whatever you want to call it. I feel really old that I don't know I don't know <laughs> what's up with the lingo these days. But is there resources in the community in the uh, schools that are that our kids are allowed to utilize to ensure that if they are being bullied or identify someone who is being bullied online, they can approach a teacher or a school board trustee or a principal that it can be rectified. Because let's be honest, social media, I and I will say this left, right, and center, social media has been the decline of our society. Yeah. What are we doing to ensure that online bullying in schools is being eradicated? I don't think we're doing enough, right? And there's so many ways to do it that whoever is doing the bullying can never be identified. And kids are scared. So even when they used to, and I think they still do, bully face-to-face, the person being bullied is really intimidated and doesn't want to go forward. What kind of name do you have after that? Yeah. Snitch. Yeah. Yeah. We... How do I put this properly? In today's society, we are living in a ever-developing world. Things change on a moment's notice. Are, is the Red Deer Public School Board keeping up with today's society, whether it be the truth and reconciliation uh, recommendations that were put out, mm-hmm. whether it be gender, we've talked about it, the uh, GSAs, whether it be... Uh, Minorities coming into the school system and ensuring that they feel accepted and feeling uh, that they are being uh, welcomed into a more prominently Caucasian society. I think you can always do more. I think we have a large population who thinks we're doing too much. Really? Right? They think that, you know what, we're not taking care of our own. 
We, we see that with elections. We see this with comments on social media. Um, Alberta is a interesting place to live in because it is so diverse. But you mostly hear from the individuals that aren't diverse, who have very strong opinions on... It's the vocal minority. Yeah. yeah um, go back to where you came from. That's always lovely to Do hear. Do you hear that in this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Does it? Do you hold a special spot for those people? For the minorities who are trying to be accepted into a community like uh, here? It's tough. I was um, able to work at one of the agencies here in Red Deer called CARE, the Central Alberta Refugee Effort. And I was able to be there when when school was starting and I seen the outreach workers that had to put their heart and soul into making sure these parents and families were in a school, they felt safe, they felt supported and the very limited resources that were there for these families because a lot of the refugees and immigrants that we get do not speak English. So do we have the individuals in Red Deer, Red Deer Public to be specific, that can help do that translation? And so you work with the parents and you work with the kids, you get a little bit of um, success with the kids because they're in these schools, but the parents don't. There's just not enough out there. What do you believe that Red Deer students who attend the Red Deer Public School Board schools are prepared for today's society? My eyes really opened probably about 10 years ago as a trustee when I was taking some professional development sessions and it talked about how we are training kids for jobs that are not there. So even when you go to post-secondary and you take whatever courses you want to be whatever professionally, by the time you graduate, your job description has probably changed or that job is no longer there anymore. Or the requirements for that job are now changed. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing about this new curriculum review is we are trying to make the kids work ready. What is that? You know, does that mean we cut all our English and math programs and just do trades? Or do we take everything else out and just do technology? There's such a broad spectrum of what we got to teach our kids. And it depends on whether they're going to stay here in Alberta and work or if they're going to go globally as well. I think that's always going to be a conversation that has to be talked about more frequently than it does because our society is changing so quickly. Do you see more uh, Red Deer students staying in Red Deer because you do have the college here? Or are they going elsewhere? Until we get a university, they are leaving. Really? Yeah, and then once they go to university, they rarely come back. Let's talk a bit, if you if you can, about the um, uh, public system to the Catholic system. Do you believe, from your perspective, and this is you as a person, Diane, not as a school board trustee, but as Diane, do you believe there should be two school, school systems? I or think, more, okay. because there's a separate as well? Yeah. I think our province could run a lot better, more efficiently, more diversely, if we had one system. Absolutely, if there are schools that want to provide religious courses, religious information, but it should be open to everybody, and it shouldn't be just one religion as well. You know, we have more than just Catholics here in Alberta. I find a lot of doubling of resources. There's a lot of segregation. There's a lot of competition. 
We have two school boards in Red Deer. We have Red Deer Public and we have Red Deer Catholic. And even here is a good example of how we could combine some of those resources and work together. There's four buses that go past my house. From different school boards? Mm-hmm. Do you guys try to work collaboratively? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On some things, I think we've been successful, and in some things, we really haven't been successful. You know, one of the biggest things I've been very public about was the opportunity to have a combined high school in Red Deer a few years ago. 18 months of planning, you know, both school boards and the Francophone school board and Red Deer City. It was going to be a fabulous school. It's going to have the best of the best. And when it got to the final part of the documentation, it was sent to the bishop and the bishop said no. How does one person have that much control over what a school board does? True. Do you think there is need? Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that I'm going to play devil's advocate right now. Why do we need a school system? Why, why can't we just allow the province to run our schools? So where's your local voice when you do that? Okay, we talk about that. You, you talked about that beforehand, but at the same time, you just said we need to work more collaboratively. We need to ensure that we aren't doubling up on resources. Right. A, we can cut down expenses okay. by doing two things. Instead of doing two, let's do one. Okay. So why not just do it one? Why not just have an Alberta school system where it's just allowing the school system to ensure that we are being taught what we need to be taught. What would that be, though? That's what the curriculum changes are, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, this, uh, the province is going through a curriculum review. Okay. That is being taught to all their schools. So why can't we just allow the province to administer the budget as well? Hmm. I think because it'd be such an overwhelming task, again, because what happens in Slave Lake is going to be different than what happens in Lethbridge and Bentley and Red Deer. I think there's a lot of minute details that would be overlooked if that happened that way. It would there, though? Okay, we talk about the small things, but there must be small things that are overlooked to here in Red Deer as well. Like? I don't know. I, I haven't looked at your budget. Like, if a parent was to come to you and said, you haven't done more for special education. Mm-hmm. We need to do more for special education. You, you might not have thought of that because it's not something that's on your radar. Okay. So how can you say that, yet again, playing devil's advocate because I'm a strong supporter of the public school system. Um, how can you say that you are looking after every single detail that's out there in Red Deer? I think because we have some fantastic people, not only on our board, but in our central office staff that are trained, they're educated to do that. And we do get input from each of our schools, from our principals. Like I said, we do those surveys with our parents and our staff. We do the best we can. Can we do more? We can always, always, always do more. Okay, then let's 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 focus it down a little bit more. Then amalgamation, the big A word that no one likes to talk about. Mm-hmm. We, you talked about the Red Deer County School Board, mm-hmm. how it's large. Could you not amalgamate with them to ensure that hey, you have four voices, we have four voices, or population will determine how many trustees? Mm-hmm. Can you not amalgamate school boards together to ensure a resources are being divided up equally, mm-hmm. and b you're not doubling up 
up on administrative staff, superintendents, all that. Okay. In some areas of the province, that'd be really tough because we had places like the Northland School Board that was disbanded <laughs> a while ago and then put together. That's a huge area. So what do you do? How do you amalgamate that with anybody else? Places like the um, urban areas, maybe. But Edmonton and Calgary public and separate boards are big enough as they are. I don't think you can take a couple trustees out of there. And trustees aren't what are causing our budget to be how it is. Most trustees have to have at least one or two other jobs or they're retired. You cannot live on what a trustee makes. Okay. And we don't have any kind of, um, when we retire, we get nothing. Understandable. But the most common thing that I hear from when I was living up north was administration is too heavy, Mm -hmm. too heavy handed. There's too many people there. They're making too much money. They're not doing anything. Yeah. I'm assuming you hear that here too, because we've talked about that and you've said you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be easier, make it larger, have one person who could be making that $400,000, a year or how much ever they make doing the job that two people should be able to do or one person should be able to do for two areas? I don't think in every case it's as simple as one person can do two people's jobs. And our administrative staff is below what the provincial has required, provinces required from us to begin with as it is. I think cuts and resources can always be looked at. I, I think the hardest thing that the government has when it comes to things like healthcare and education is those things don't make money. Yeah. Right? So sometimes it's more harder to justify that those are things that need money. They help in the long run. Let's put our future hat on here. What does the school board look like in five years? In five years. I'm going to be a little optimistic and I'm going to say it's not going to change much. It is, again, the government. It takes a lot of time and effort to change anything. So unless they change everything, nothing will be changed in five years. You don't think so? I don't. It's so (laughs) when this new government was elected and they were talking about um, private school funding and curriculum changes, I got out some papers that I had from the first time I ran in 1998. And it was talking about the privatization of schools and curriculum. So um, 20 years ago, we're still talking about the same things. Yet again, future hat on. Okay. 10 years. Okay. What does it look like? Same thing? Not much of a change? I don't know what they could change to make it better. How can you change it to make it better? I think getting more public input. It's always good to get more people that run for election that didn't think they could run for election. It's not just the stay-at-home moms or the people with professional backgrounds. You need a nice mix in there. We need to get people to be more involved. Uh, we have 20% of eligible voters in Red Deer that vote. Seriously? Yeah. That is a very small number. So how can I confidently say that I am representing um, Red Deer when only 20% of the people voted for me? I, I can understand where you're coming from, though. But at the same time, unless voting's mandatory, you're never going to have 100% voting eligibility. Right. So yet again, 
continue on to this term, how do you represent 20% of the population while making sure that you in, you are advocating for 100%? Yeah. Um, again, it's accountability and transparency. Do you think you have been over the last few years? I certainly hope I have. There's definitely some things that get talked about at the school board level that, you know, can't be shared with the public. And that's only because of, you know, FOIP and other legal reasons. But I try to be as open and transparent as possible. The one interesting thing about being a school board trustee is 99% of the time you have to talk as if you were talking on behalf of the board because we are a board. Yeah. So the only time we really get to say a lot of our own opinions is before a motion is put forth and people are saying, well, you know, do you vote for this? Do you vote for that? And why and why not? We were able to be open and honest before we took the vote on one publicly funded system. But I still get calls today saying, you know, Diane, you did this. Well, I put the motion forward. We had some consultation, but I don't own that now. The board owns that. In your time as a school board trustee, what have you learned about yourself? I've learned that I'm a lot tougher than I thought I was. And I'm a lot um, I'm a lot more sensitive than I thought I was. What do you mean by that? Since it's working with students, it's different than working as an MLA or a city councillor. I find anything to do with kids is a lot more personal because I, I've had a couple. <laughs> And so any decision I make, it's not just budget. It's not just what our Alberta Ed says we have to do. I, I, I think of the kids and I think, okay, either these are my kids or they're not my kids, but they are kids. What is going to be best for them? And how can you not sleep at night making these decisions that is going to impact not only their education, but their lives? Why continue to do it, though? You've been on for, I'm assuming... 15 years. 15 years, that's five terms, four terms. So it used to be three years on a term, so now it's four years on a term. I think I'm into term six. Okay, so six terms. Why continue doing it? I still see the good, and I still have a passion for it. You know, I'm still involved with uh, the schools. I'm still involved with other task forces that involve education. I just really think there's a lot of good things that can still be done, and I'm not done yet advocating for kids and the people that don't have a voice. Do you ever see a moment when that's going to change? Yeah. What is that moment to you? That moment is going to be when I can't give it 110%. I think every politician, no matter what form of politics they're in, has a best before date. And I think it's unfair that some individuals say, as long as I'm elected, I'm going to keep doing it. I think that's a very inaccurate way to define your worth. When that day comes, Mm -hmm. do you ever consider running higher municipally? Oh, you know what? I I, I tried that. Okay. Right? I put my name forward to be a candidate for um, a member of parliament. Not this federal election, but last federal election. 2015? Yep. And was was beaten out but of course I was running for a party that wasn't very much in favor of the community that we have I was running for the NDP it was a fabulous opportunity Uh, I, I think it'd be wonderful to have a voice in Ottawa but I also know that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time away from your family and everything else here. And I was and that, that's one area that we didn't talk about, but 
is your family supportive of every time you run for election, when you put your name out there, when you're going out and talking to the community, all the decisions that you make, do you have that uh, support group behind you that says, you know what, we support you in what you're doing. We believe that you're making the best choice for the community and also our family. It's a really nice shirt you're wearing. I thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks, I think. (laughs) See how I avoided that? I was going (laughs) to say, wow. Um, Diane, my last question is this. Looking back on your time in in, uh, school board politics Mm -hmm. as a trustee, would you have changed anything? I'd have been braver. What do you mean? Absolutely. It can be very intimidating to be in a room of your colleagues and know that you don't share the same voice as possibly six, five, four, three others. And they have been a stable part of this community and you respect them dearly. And not that I've ever just bit my tongue and put my head down, but I think there's some fights I could have took with a little more, um, a little more passion. And not that it's easy to say yes or no, but sometimes it's really hard when you get told no over and over and over again to put up your hand again to say, but can we? Have you thought of this? Wow. Yeah. Okay, I know I said the last question was the last question, but do you think you've changed minds about the school system? I really hope so. Um, one of the most powerful things that happened to me was a few years ago, I was out walking my dogs and there was a classmate of one of my kids who had graduated a couple years before and they were in this big truck and they seen me and they stopped and they came out and they said, Miss McCauley, I wanted to tell you, you're one of the reasons I came back to school. I'm like, wow, "Wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a counselor. What do you mean? And they proceeded to tell me a story about um, some of the things I've said when I went to school, some of the things I've said on social media, how I looked like I was a caring individual that thought of kids first. And since they were a friend of one of my kids, it was one of those conversations where, you know what, I know you're not in school now, but when you come back, we're ready for you. But you need to change a bit. The path you're going on now is very destructive. And hearing it from a student just made my heart smile. In the hour conversation that we've had, I have learned that you are a and for the first time actually meeting you in person, you are engaged, you are compassionate, you know what you're talking about, and B, in the fourth, you seem to care about not only the people, but the kids. Oh, thank you. You, I think you have a long life ahead of you for school board trustee. I, it's been my pleasure to even just sit down with you because honestly, I, I can't imagine that a person from middle of nowhere comes here and just says, hey, do you want to sit down for a podcast? So thank you very much for doing this. Oh, thank you, Christopher. It has been such a treat. You're a delight. <laughs> I try to be. I can tell. And I like my shirt too. <laughs> Thanks very much, Diane. Oh, thank you. 
And once again, thank you to our guests for coming in and sitting down today. It was greatly appreciated. As I've said in the introduction, this podcast is about having a conversation. I learned a lot in this interview, and I really hope you did too. This podcast couldn't have happened without our listeners. From here in Alberta to across Canada and around the world, I want to take this moment and thank everyone for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes. Or visit our website at www.crossborderinterviews.ca. We will be back here next Saturday with another great episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast.